and welcome again to another episode of the Coltec Austin Tech Leaders uh, podcast series. Today I've got the absolute pleasure of being joined by Rich Robinson, the CTO of Standard Industries. Uh, Rich can only be described as a high energy leader, deep experience deploying technology driven solutions for higher growth global organizations. Really known in the industry as a roll up your sleeves, creative and collaborative leader with a passion for building high performance teams. Rich, obviously, I, I could probably go on into more detail on introduction, but rather than me jabbering on, it's probably best if you take over and tell us a little bit more about yourself and your career today and how you've ended up with Standard Industries. Well, sure. And, you know, I always start addressing the elephant in the room. If you pick up on a bit of an accent that comes from my West Virginia upbringing, I do ask my mom, I said, do I have an accent? And she assures me, no, baby, I don't have an accent. But others (laughs) seem to pick up on it. As long as I can remember, I have been interested in technology. I mean, all the way back to whether it was teaching myself to code basic on my Radio Shack TRS-80 or gaming on my my Atari and Commodore 64. So I'm definitely dating myself by throwing out some of those tech references. But I've always been passionate about technology. And so, you know, when it came time for career choice, moving on for an electrical engineering degree seemed like an obvious path for me. And when I took an Army scholarship to pay for that education, I discovered my second passion, which is leadership. And so over the last 24 years, I've just been super fortunate to be building and leading teams that have been leveraging technology to either complete the mission when it came to the Army or to deliver and solve on problems when it's come to my corporate career. And and over the last three years, as you said, I've had the opportunity to apply that trade here at Standard Industries. It's strange, like for all the different conversations that we've had and different people we've had on the podcast, a large percentage started off life or have had some experience within the military whether that's training or you know being a veteran or, or whatever it may be clearly there's it's a breeding ground for leadership and i suppose having the organizational skills to run projects and lead teams having that experience not necessarily the army or the background but having that before you've stepped into technology has set you in good stead for what you've gone on to achieve it- you know, it, it really has. And I think, you know, some of the things that you pick up in that type of environment, what counts is delivering the mission. And so what that means is it's not a prescribed methodology. It's not a specific way. The What counts the most is getting the job done when you're in situations like that. And what matters is teamwork. You are completely reliant on your team in these situations. And so being flexible in approach and focused on results and really getting to build a cohesive team in the military, you are not only a team, you're living with that team. You spend much more time with that team, in some cases for years even, than your family. And so understanding the dynamics of teamwork and and getting things done, I think that really comes across when you hire veterans. And it's a, a real plug for those veterans out there that may not be able to translate that resume into civilian speak. But let me assure you, if you're looking for an egoless leader, who will get the job done, you can hire a veteran. Yeah, well, there was a big project that we done, obviously before we sort of moved out to the Austin market, when I first started in recruitment, it was part of central government in the UK, so the cabinet office, and they was building a top secret IT system. A lot of the people that were brought onto the project for the sort of project management, PMO, delivery management type roles were ex-military, and that's something that they actually looked out for. Not necessarily have to have the uh, the technical knowledge, but the ability to sort of see a problem, 
work with a team to be able to solve that. And it's obviously served you in really, really good stead for where you are at the moment. So as I touched on in the introduction, you're currently leading uh, the CTO of Standard Industries, huge enterprise business, so many other sub-businesses below that. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing there at the moment, because we spoke off camera previously and before that, and turning around, well, I mean, you'll explain it more, but the, the job that you've got there is, is pretty huge. Yeah, I think I'm the luckiest man uh, on earth right now with the job that I have. And so, you know, a little about standard, and I think you, you touched on it, you know, when the public get available information, but we are a global privately held industrial company. We serve as the parent to multiple operating companies and with a focus really on building materials such as roofing and waterproofing and specialty chemicals. So really legacy industries, companies that have been around in some cases for, for over a hundred years, building you know, real physical products that we use here in the real world. And you know, through our various companies, we're over $9 billion in annual revenue. We're in 80 different countries and we have over 20,000 employees. So you know, a sizable company and my job is to work with those operating companies, with those CEOs and presidents and those executive teams to really formulate the digital strategy. And I say an appropriately aggressive digital transformation strategy and, and then deliver on it. And so I do have responsibility for enterprise IT throughout the organization as well as part of that delivery mechanism. This is yeah, a huge undertaking. And so a lot of the people, again, sort of going back to previous episodes or people that we've been involved with or had conversation with, are probably some more smaller organizations, either startup, mid-sized businesses. They come with their own issues or things that come up. You're dealing with, as say, a nine billion revenue business, so many different spinning plates. But how are you managing to keep on top of everything and change the thinking of a business, a legacy-based enterprise business to bring it into the modern world that must be a really difficult challenge that you're uh, facing but a very good one to be involved in as a tech leader it's a really interesting opportunity well it is and and, you know what brought me here was was the chance to apply what i had learned in the software industry or the telecom industry and some of these industries that that are further along than than the legacy industries that we're working with today to apply that to real world products and to apply that at scale and, and I, when I mentioned that I'm lucky, it's because the single most important ingredient to having a successful transformation, specifically in large, successful legacy companies, is the CEO, in our cases, the CEOs. We have two CEOs, David yep. Winter, David Millstone. They have to be the champion. And note, I did not say they have to be supportive, but it has to be a strategic imperative. It has to be something that they are leading from the front. Because specifically in a legacy industry, you know, look, enterprise IT is viewed, you know, as a commodity in many cases or a call center or at minimum, it's something that is a known quantity and you engage in projects. But as you embark on transformation, you're talking about a a mindset shift. And I think it was Satya Nadella who said every company is now a software company. Yeah. And that comes with the need to have this mindset shift. And what does that mean? It means that you have to have the ability to experiment. It means that uh, you have to understand and your culture needs to be accepting that many experiments will actually fail. It's a sign that you're pushing the envelope and you're actually pushing on innovation. And so, you know, to do that in a legacy industry, you may have to add KPI or change KPI. You may have to adjust your reward system. It requires a change in thinking. And so, you know, those are things 
that the CEO and CEOs yeah. are key to do. And so I'm, I'm very fortunate that not only are David and David extremely supportive, it's their vision, but uh, my partners, the CEOs and the presidents of our company share that vision that, you know, we know that our industries will be disrupted and our goal is to be the disruptor. The industries that you're involved in, obviously manufacturing and, uh, and sort of the larger sort of the roofing tiles and everything that, that we spoke about before, building materials, it's not usually the type of industry that you'd associate with digital transformation, but quite rightly, like you mentioned, all businesses now in this day and age have to look at becoming, following a digital path or becoming a software business. And it's really interesting thing that you mentioned about the CEOs having to champion that change, because one of the questions I always ask is how can you best prepare your business for success in the transformation? As a CEO, you say you have to have that person at the front to be the one who's leading and not someone because a lot of businesses and you've, you've seen this before and plenty of times we've all seen it. A company like, well, we're going to do this, but they're not really behind it. And then six months later, the project fails and they're like, oh, well, we tried and then they give up and then they just carry on the thing and then they get bypassed by their competitors. So that must, I suppose, in that question, how do you best prepare your business for success in a large scale digital transformation? Having everyone in the business on the same trajectory or the same mindset is sort of key to that. It really is. You need that top down framework, that top down, you know, buy in. And then, of course, the innovation is ground up. So but it's so key. And so, you know, look, that's not something everyone has the opportunity to directly influence. It was a selection criteria for me. Right. It was yeah. I was able to opt in to this amazing company that had that fundamental ingredient in place. But of course, look, there's still challenges. Right. I mean, you know, we're in a world where building materials are in high demand and we need to make sure that we continue to deliver our products, our physical products that are in high demand. But at the same time, we know that we have to advance the ball in all phases of our business on digital. And so figuring out how to do that without disrupting, you know, the core business is something that we think a lot about and we're very careful with. As part of the work you've been doing, obviously not that a big thing everyone's faced, something that's caused a huge amount of issues is the, obviously the pandemic and the, how that's changed society in general but obviously how is in some ways pushed forward the digital transformation for a lot of businesses how is that did that affect what you you're doing at all uh, it, certainly and, and I, I think that you know what you'll hear from me you've heard from others it, it accelerated things yeah. that were already in motion right and so you know looking at our largest north america business gaf which makes roofing materials we manufacture the roofing materials and we sell that through the channel. And ultimately, the roofers that are installing this, these are generally small and medium businesses. And they may not have someone that is dedicated to IT, right? In many cases, you know, they're working with limited tool sets. This is a kitchen table transaction, as yeah. we say here, you know, and a handshake transaction. And so when the pandemic hit, Fortunately, you know, we had already been working on solutions that would allow them to, quote, work without physically being there on the site using satellite imagery and AI or online tools that would allow them to actually conduct a sale and transaction without physically being there. And so what we saw was probably a more rapid adoption of those tools that we were already working on. Back of the envelope, I would say at least two years of adoption, you know, if not more, happened in that first six months of the pandemic as a necessity. And that's very sticky, right? So we see that the usage on these tools continues to yeah. increase. So it was definitely an acceleration of our digital transformation. Yeah, as you say, through people being forced to 
to use that way of working or working a different way rather than as you say the kitchen table handshake manner of working it does remain sticky there and that does push you forward as a business i mean the whole thing about all of this is convenience isn't it like the reason why you're digitizing everything is the convenience to the consumer at the beginning of the pandemic i started renovating my house my partner she's pregnant at the time moved into my back to my parents house i'll take two months easy put an extension on Pandemic hit, you couldn't get building materials anywhere. If you heard that all of a sudden a, a business had had a delivery of, you know, plaster or, um, you know, some more plaster boards or bricks or whatever, you're engaged on the, on the line for two hours trying to get through because everyone's heard about it. Having the ability, that, obviously you guys had not foreseen that, but it's seen as a change in the business that you would have to adopt the digital ways of working. Being able to put that in, and then consumers like myself or whoever people were trying to get building materials at the time, seeing that that's a much easier way of doing it, it obviously accelerates the usage of it, but then also brings new customers to you. I thought I knew that I was going to get to a point at some point in that. It would bring new customers because people that were used to uh, bring the local builders merchants or wherever it may be or, or where we buy our materials from. Now they've got a, a business and obviously a well-established business anyway, so that's you, you're, gonna, you're a big name in the market. But it all of a sudden makes people want to use you more. And you get that brand loyalty through the convenience that you're giving the consumer. And then obviously that's the plan for where you're looking to move forward. So as part of that, we've accelerated what you're doing at the moment. If we're sitting here in five years time or three years, you know, in a few years time, where can you see the most impact being made? Well, that, there's so many answers to that question. How long do we have? I, I mean, you know, just at a high level, you know, digital transformation for us has multiple focus areas. I mean, there's digitizing what we do today, right? And, and I, I talked about one great example of how we're working with our partners, our channel. If you want to digitize this industry, we can't just digitize ourselves. We have to help yeah. our, our partners, many of them small and medium businesses, family-owned businesses, We've got to help them have the tools so that that customer experience it can be a fantastic experience. So, you know, that's just one angle. Our factories, you know, over 180 manufacturing facilities worldwide. There's so much opportunity there in terms of improving our safety, increasing our yield, you know, reducing the input of materials, you know, that we can gain through whether it's IIoT and AI learnings as we look at our factories efficiencies. It's another major area of focus for us. But, you know, I think the thing that gets me most excited is about net new business opportunities. When you think about your roof, if you do, that may not be a great thing because there's probably a leak potentially, <laughs> and it might be an emotional event. But, but look, you know, forever the roof, if it's been done properly, has kept you dry. And in many cases, there's an aesthetics element. But we see this as this amazing untapped real estate. You know, already we're producing power. GF Energy is our energy company, solar company that's working on a revolutionary product. You know, to make energy from every roof a reality. But beyond energy, it's the perfect place to do things like propagate telecommunications with the coming 5G wave and antenna densification. Why can't the roof play a significant role in filling that gap so that we have better coverage? You know, as we have autonomous vehicles and we have drone deliveries, why wouldn't the roof be a logical place to help with that navigation or even to accept deliveries? There's so much that you can do. Carbon sequestration in the materials 
themselves. Green roofs, which are, I think, more common in Europe than they are here in the U.S. Yeah. today, but it's this extra living space and things that you can do. And so we just see so many different uses for just the roofing part of our business and this convergence digital with physical products that is going to really take off. I mean, for years, software has been on this amazing tear and, you know, it's just brilliant. But the legacy industries have lagged behind. And yeah, we do software as our ERP system, our CRM. Yeah. But now we're seeing digital products. Digital is becoming part of every product. And that is a mindset shift away from IT serves the business and our product is this physical thing. Now it's a converged product. Does that also link to, you've probably touched on it, but the linking then of all the different sub-businesses underneath standard industries, they all then become, converge and sort of help each other in different ways. You say the energy business, working with the roofing business, and then there'll be certain other areas that they can all link together because of where, where they may have been separated or running in completely different paths. But now with the digitization you're going through, it actually brings it all under one roof and links them together more. So you become more of a stronger business. There's definitely a Venn diagram there where we have support. And in some cases, some of our businesses are already, you know, in the service of providing materials to other businesses. Uh, SGI, our granulars company that creates the fines, the small rock particles, that goes into roofing, it goes into construction material. And they're, you know, a major vendor to GAF, our roofing company. And so we see more of that happening across the board as digital becomes part of every company. Uh, there's going to be more overlap. And that also then leads down to, as you say, the, the partners that you have, the family-owned businesses as well, helping them get on that, I don't know if that's even a saying, but the digital ladder or showing them what can be done, which then helps them. And then it just all becomes more self-fulfilling and everyone helps each other. One thing I always ask, you've obviously, you've had lots of experience, you've given advice, you've had lots of advice. I usually ask one piece of advice that you would give other tech leaders to change it up to what's the best piece of advice you've received when someone's told you that and there's something that's stuck with you oh wow that's a great one man actually let me start i'm going to offer you up an answer to your original question and then i'll go there i mean because you know something that i see that i've learned through experience ironically because what i'm going to say is and this might be counterintuitive is that as you're scaling your team as you're growing your team as you're out there battling for talent don't fall into what i call the experience trap and what I mean by that is, look, technology is changing so fast and it's only accelerating. You know, I've been in this game longer than I care to admit. So I can promise you that the tools and the methodologies that were best practice, which is a term I hate, but, you know, which were cutting edge are now laughed at. They're already out of date. And so when you're looking to bring that team in, hire for the ability to learn, hire for the ability to solve problems and invest in training and retraining. Whatever the, the hot skill is today that you need is perishable. Two years, three years from now, there'll be a new programming language, there'll be a new technology that they need to learn and adapt to. And so, you know, focus there versus, I love it when people say, I'm building a team to change the world, and then they go out and they recruit for people with 20 years experience with this certain technology. It's like, wow, you know, well, it sounds like you, what you wanna do is copy the last two decades versus change the world. But So that's the answer to the question you didn't ask me. <laughs> The question you did ask me, what's the best piece of advice? This great resignation is the topic that's on everyone's mind, right? I think the pandemic has had everyone do a reset or many people do a reset and really look at what they want to do. You know, when I have been in that position where I was considering making a change in industries, which I've done several times, which kind of makes you feel like you're starting over when you walk away and you have to learn so much new. A mentor of mine told me, he said, look, 
as long as you are running to something, don't run away from where you're at. But if you're running to something, if you're energized by and you're excited about that next opportunity, that's when you know that it's the right move for you. And then, you know, I followed that advice to Standard Industries and it's worked out quite well for me. That's actually brilliant advice. I think you get a lot of people looking and the, the grass is always greener. So you run away from where, where you are at the moment without actually having a true purpose. And that's something that we, I, t- I was speaking to uh, someone going to have on the on the podcast in a few weeks, um, a business called Loop, an insure tech business in, in Austin. They're a very purpose-led business. Well, one of the things that they're finding, and we're talking about the great resignation and people just leaving their businesses, having a business where people feel part of a journey or, you know, we're here, we're going to get here, and this is how we're going to go about doing it and having a purpose is the most important thing for any business that is hiring. We're a staffing business, right? I talk to CTOs, CEOs, heads of engineering all day, every day. And everyone's trying to hire at the moment and they're struggling. Not everyone's struggling. The businesses that are struggling are people that are just going to say, okay, well, we'll pay X amount of dollars for this person. And, you know, they will just throw money at the situation. And all that happened is someone will accept their offer. And as soon as someone else comes around with slightly more money, they'll go and leave them. Or they'll join for six months and then go bank some money and then go elsewhere. The businesses that are really thriving and not spending as much money as these other businesses are the ones that say, we're, this is our, like, for instance, Standard Industries, the CEO has got a, a plan. They're championing it and it's led down. And then the, the actual application, that's bottom up. So they're part of that journey and moving the business forward. So the answer to the question that I didn't ask is if you're going to be building a tech business or a tech function or any business at all, we've been running for two and a half years, so we're a startup ourselves. When we're hiring people, they have to believe in the journey that I'm explaining and be feel part of that. So having a true mission and a purpose to the business and making people feel part of that. Someone told me about this story about NASA. Their thing is, we're going to put man on the moon, right? And there was a caretaker in the corridors. Someone asked you, what are you doing? He didn't say, I'm mopping the floor or I'm, I'm cleaning up. I'm helping put man on the moon because it, from the bottom of the business to the top, everyone or the organization or you know, NASA, you don't know how you do, you wouldn't describe them as a business, but the top, <laughs> from the bottom to the top, everyone had the same mission. No matter what he was doing, that's what he did. And setting that goal out will get you the best talent. We'll get you the people that want to be part of something and can learn and adapt overall, just get you exactly what you want from your business. You don't want a lot of mercenaries. People with 20 years experience who just jumping, you know, coming over to get that, it's not going to help. And so yeah, it's brilliant advice. So thank you very much for that. One more thing, this is obviously the Austin Tech Leaders podcast. So we haven't even touched on Austin yet as a place. I know obviously standing in the but New York based, but you are a, an Austin resident. You've seen the big growth in the tech scene in Austin. What do you like most about seeing that? And what do you think has been the catalyst of that? Austin is a city that has, you know, a history of tech innovation, even though it's very in vogue to come to Austin right now and we welcome you. As a technologist, I cannot imagine a better place to be right now than Austin, Texas. But I think that comes from really just an energy from the city that is proud of being a tech forward city. And Austin has been a tech forward city for years, dating back to whether it's Michael Dell's founding of Dell and and before that, the semiconductor industry that's here. And I do think that one of the things that I've seen change that's really exciting is the breadth of technology here. You know, we've got mega cap to start up in hardware and software. If you want FinTech, you want MarTech, you want BuildTech, InsuraTech. I mean, you see where I'm going here. You want to be in robotics, you want to be in energy technology. 
there are companies of all sizes here really taking advantage of Austin. And, and you know, why Austin? I mean, of course, we have the, the university here. We have a history of really being business friendly here. But I would say that it's so much more than that. Whether you're into the environment and spending time outdoors, it's a fantastic place to be active. Whether you're into the legendary music scene here, you know, which is great, or international sporting events. I mean, my boys and I just went to the U.S. Grand Prix. You know, my son's a Ferrari fan, so it didn't turn out so great. But, you know, <laughs> what an amazing event, you know, there with our closest 300,000 friends to root on the F1 circuit. And there's just something for everyone here. And I think that what makes Austin a little different is it leads to a more balanced life than just my experience and other tech hubs. There's always something going on. There's always something to do as a technologist, but there's always something to do outside of the day job as well. And it's just a fantastic place to be. Do you think that helps a lot being because obviously, like is in the valley, it's tech, 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 and everywhere you look is that. Whereas obviously Austin, as you say, is probably the number one place in the in the states, maybe the world to be at the moment. But there is lots of other things to do. It's not just a place where those tech businesses are. You can go, as you say, to the Grand Prix or, you know, South by Southwest or Austin City Limits Music Festival or, you know, go and do all the and outdoor we, activities. And we, we, have, we have a very successful football club now uh, in yeah. Austin. Yeah, so I just had Wes Jackson, who's the CTO from FreeWires, who are the sponsors. I just spoke to him on, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, I'm gutted because I'm supposed – well, I am coming out. On the 10th, I mean, they're away that weekend, but I was supposed to be the weekend before and it's home. So I spoke to where he was going to go to the game, but unfortunately I'm going to miss it. And we were supposed to come out for the last weekend when the Grand Prix was on. We couldn't because of flight restrictions. There's no other restrictions have been lifted, so we're out. But yeah, I can't wait to get out there. But yeah, the, the soccer team's doing pretty good from my understanding and they're not a bad side. So I'm looking forward to watching them. But yeah, I... I personally, as I say, we're currently in London, coming out in the you know, next couple of weeks, and then we're landing the whole business. And I'm moving the family out, which is really exciting. So I, I can't wait to become a, a resident. Welcome, and you're moving at a perfect time. The weather is fantastic this time of year. As you can probably tell, the sun's not really my friend, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the most olive-skinned of people, so I'm a little bit worried about the summer, but I'm sure I'll be okay. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why God gave us air conditioning. Yeah, thank God, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need it. But look, Rich, I could sit and talk to you all day. I really, really, really appreciate your time. It's been fantastic. You, what you're doing at Standard Industries is a really amazing job to be doing and you know to be a part of. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you sharing everything, um, you know, your, your story and your knowledge with us. If anyone like listening in or anyone from any of our meetup groups or would like to get in touch, where's the best place for them to be able to do that? You can always reach out to me. You know, it's real easy. It's rich.robinson at standardindustries.com. That's the <laughs> official channel. But you can hit me on, on LinkedIn where I'm probably a little more prolific than I should be, but I'm so passionate about organization building and technology. So I'll bounce between those subjects. You can find me in uh, there and let's link in and, and let's get together and talk. And if you want to join an amazing company and do something with those tech skills that really matters, let me know. Perfect. Well, Rich, thanks very much for your time. It's been great chatting with you and congratulations on everything you're doing there. You're doing a fantastic job. Thanks, Patrick. Cheers. Cheers.